Welcome to KafaruCast, everyone. Uh, I'm riding solo today. Frank is up in uh, B.C. on a black bear hunt with uh, Gladiators Unleashed and Primitive Outfitting. So uh, one guy I've wanted to get on here for quite some time, and I recently started using uh, his product, oh, probably a month ago, I guess, and I've been super excited about it. And honestly, I was a little nervous about getting him on the the podcast until I got to use it. And uh, then once I used it, I couldn't wait to get him on. And uh, that's uh, Kevin with Matrix Target. So, man, I appreciate you getting on here. Hey, Aaron, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? So with the Matrix Targets, for people that don't know, um, I became familiar with them through two places. One was Rockslide, um, and then two was just a guy out at Bear Creek Lake that had your target a few years ago. I think you might even be friends with him. Uh, Bear Creek Lake's a local <laughs> archery range. Um, oh. And uh, it was um, uh, unique in the sense it's kind of an octagon, and uh, you could interchange sections of it. It made sense to me at the time. I'm like, well, I usually shoot out the middle, so it's nice to be able to swap them around or just buy the one um, section. And it wasn't a interchangeable center section that inevitably will fall out. Um, you basically are using ratchet straps to keep it together. Um, and it's very clean and very, um, well, and I'd say presentable for an archery target, but it, it does look pretty badass. Uh, but go into the company a little bit and talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, we, part of the reason or how the design came up, we were just frustrated with shooting out um, the center of, of targets, particularly layered foam targets and having so much unused area in the corners. And we, um, you know, probably had the idea 12 years ago when we were still in Nevada and my son was just starting a engineering program at USC. And, um, you know, I told him I had this idea and I, he, honestly, if you talk to him today, he's, he would have told you, he didn't think it ever go anywhere, but you know, every time you think you got a good idea, so is 15 or 20 other people. So it's all about speed to market and, you know, then we moved to Montana and, you know, several years go by and I, I keep looking at the uh, new products in the archery industry and nothing really um, coming out with a modular design like this. So, and then we kind of got after it four years ago and, uh, you know, our son, uh, Kevin, he also Kevin, he came up with the, the hexagonal shaped design and then it, it kind of morphed into uh, a tongue and groove element um as far as keeping the modules together and then also a uh, channel that runs on the outside that we run the um the strap with the quick release uh buckle and um and then it was uh i can i'll be honest with you i had no experience in manufacturing archery products and uh, or targets i had no idea what i was getting into so uh, it's quite a learning experience from going from a white sheet of paper and knowing nothing into having a really cool uh, finished product. Right. And I would say, you know, going back, like, um, with the block target, the first one with the layered target, um, I am not a fan. Um, I've had several. One, uh, you litter because there's shit everywhere when you shoot, uh, especially with a mechanical. And you just blow through them super fast. And so then they had... um, kind of the outer rigid layer that was layered on the inside and that really gave me I don't know an extra 100 shots before that got shot out and I was really you know depressed and I actually started using a, a Reinhardt 18 and 1 which has some similarities of what you're doing in the sense of it's solid um, the first thing I noticed about um, 
yours, which you guys both make a great product, is your arrows are easier to pull out of. Uh, your, or your target is easier, <laughs> easier to pull arrows out of. And mm-hmm. that was the first thing shooting. I'm like, hmm, okay, that's a big deal because the, the number one thing that you, you get on targets is, you know, trying to pull. And that, with a stick bow, it's a little bit easier no matter what. Um, sure. Right. But I, I would have to say there's, um, you know, if I was going to try and quantify it, 30%. 40% easier to yank arrows out of a brand new target, which is a, a big deal. Was that by design? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm not a, excuse me, I'm not a scientist, but there's a lot of science behind our material. And, um, and it, it is our biggest challenge because, um, you know, outside of our modular design, I got to have a material that not only stops your arrow quickly, I don't want you to have to use a come along to pull it out. So, um, the guys in the lab that helped develop this material, there's a special additive for arrow removal, but I will tell you our challenge is, and I tell guys, I said, you know, we can run this material from marshmallow to rock. I got it for me to, I want you to get full use out of both sides of each hex module. So we try to run it as stiff as we can to where it still allows you easy arrow removal as opposed to running it ultra soft like marshmallow where you're going to be blowing through it quickly. Um, and then, of course, with as the uh, with the advancement of uh, everybody shooting micro diameter arrows and going really heavy FOC with some of that center pin system stuff from like Valkyrie uh, shooting twenty plus percent FOC. I mean, we're we're always towing. I always want to tow that line on making sure we're able to stop your arrow quickly and that you can still pull it out. Yeah, exactly. For that background noise, I apologize, everyone. I'm always behind. I am fletching arrows as we do this podcast, but my wife would be proud. I'm multitasking. Um, so with uh, with that, you just came out with a a new kind of a, a cube target as well. What tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, we we had um, you know we're in year four, and during this time, I've had a lot of guys that uh, you know I really when we designed the target it was pretty much i designed it for the way we like to shoot in montana and, and i wanted a target that was big enough that we could shoot out 100 plus yards practicing and then also with the modularity you can you know guys don't have room in their truck you can take a single hex or you can make a three hex three diamond or four hex four diamond depending on how much room you got in your rig to go to deer elk camp but anyhow it had a lot of guys at, reaching out and saying hey how about just making a smaller design and um, we came up with a, one we call matrix squared or M2. It's a, uh, more of a 50 to 60 yard target. It's, um, uh, facing you, the target's 18 by 18 and 14 inches deep, same depth as our M1. And, uh, and like I said, it's a, and same, same proprietary material. So it's identical density, everything. It's just different shape than the big target. How's that, how's that one taken off for you? It, you know, it's been really great. We're, um, um, it's amazing, you know, because obviously it's so expensive to manufacture a target and we have to have a higher, um, price point and that's why we're selling consumer direct. Um, so to be able to come up with a target that's a hundred, like a little over a hundred dollars cheaper is a big deal to a lot of guys. Um, but I, I think, you know, for, it just gives guys an option whether you want to go with, a, you know, the smaller size, easier to more portable, throw it in your truck or, um, if you got the money to to pay for the bigger one, then um, and shoot, they'll last you a long time. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. Uh, just going off of, um, I don't have a lot of long term use 
uh, with your target, but just judging off of, you know, I'm firing everything from two inch um, cut on contact, you know, big, uh, you know, fixed blade broadheads <laughs> to mechanicals. Cause yeah. I, I don't, obviously I'm addicted to the stick bow for anybody that pays attention, but I do fire a lot of um, compound arrows into my target, mostly uh, testing, tuning, helping guys, as well as just for myself. Cause I don't want to ever become antiquated in the compound world. I still want to be able to help guys and we're firing, you know, inch and five eighths to two plus inch mechanicals. That thing that's got to last a few hundred thousand arrows or something ridiculous. Have you fire tested, like actually had sat there and just shot over and over and over to see what it'll take? Not, not a whole target. I, you know, it was kind of interesting, Aaron, when we... I'd hate to be the guy the, that you and, gave and, that job to, by the way. That'd be boring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, quite honestly, when we had our first prototype, there was a lot of unknowns. I mean, did we make the target the right depth? And, um, you know, our, our big concern was if you shoot the top of the target, if I try to, you know, I say that I talk about the sleepless nights staring at the ceiling on design implications... If we cut two inches out of the the depth of the target, and if you shoot the top of the target and it tips over, I would consider that epic fail from a design standpoint. And then we're in fifty, sixty thousand plus dollars in custom molds and um, and tooling and everything. So um, anyhow, we had a we did some silicone kind of mock-up molds, and my molder put together this prototype. And heck, we didn't know how it, how it would handle shooting the seams. Um, would it be impossible to pull your arrow out of the seam? Would it go through the seam? So all good questions. But anyhow, what we did with that one, we put about 4,000 shots into one side, and I'd say four or 500 with broadheads and, and didn't have one poking through the back. And then the other thing what I was doing was rotating the modules around, just kind of seeing does this really function the way we think it's going to. And, you know, once I did that, I just said, oh, my God, guys, this thing's, this thing's unbelievable. And then we tweaked the material a little bit. So, you know, to answer your question, we haven't done a full um, shoot-to-failure type of testing, but um, I would say uh, probably the best one that I've seen online by a guy was – and actually it was on Rockslide. Robbie Denning did a 500-rodhead test on a uh, – on one of the modules and um he had i think it was shot 612 that finally poked through the back and uh he he was pretty amazed and i think he was he was shooting a little heavier stuff and i want to say i could be wrong i think he was shooting like 125 grain iron iron wheel broadheads pretty good cutters and um so you know it varies it varies depending on guys rigs and like you talk about arrow removal um you know that varies depending on what guys shoot but um there's just so many different variables on types of points and uh, and, and broadheads could go what i've been telling guys because um you know i get uh you know guys that ask me that you know hey which as you can imagine been looking at that should i buy it how long will it last? And, you know, to me, that's a, yeah. for a stick bow guy without replacing anything, you know, that's a five or six year target, um, you know, with a guy that shoots a, a pretty decent amount, you know, if I was to, you know, to take a guess. Um, and for a compound guy that shoots quite a bit, it's probably a two to three year target um, before you have to replace a, 
a module, I think, in good conscience, I could say that. Am I way off base on that, or am I semi? Would you say that no, that's actually, pretty close? Actually, actually, you're um, pretty spot on. I mean, you know, it's one thing we did too, because you know, we're on top of this. You're trying to run your, you figure out your business model on replacement market, and I think we we had and we had certain percentages on how many guys would replace hexes on year one and year two and whatever and. Uh, we we kind of forecasted failure rate quicker because we didn't know. But now, after having a little history behind us, I mean, I would say the guys that really shoot a lot will uh, blow up a hex or two a year. And then for most guys, I mean, it's like I wasn't seeing recurring uh, orders on hexes until after year three. So, and most of these are compound guys. Right, right. Yeah, I would I would say... Uh, you know, I'm as much as I shoot, you know, I can generally take a pretty good swing at things without having the hands on, you know, I haven't had it three years. So how the hell would I know? But I can take a good guess, um, which is pretty good. I mean, I don't know, you know, your replacement um, like hex. I think you call them mo- like the modules or whatever. It's like 50 bucks, isn't it? Yeah. And then we kind of price. Uh, and again, I. um you know, had we come out with this thing when I first had the idea, man, it would have been a whole different uh, landscape as far as the business uh, model because we, it wasn't really, um, you know, website-driven, customer, consumer-direct. I, I think I would have got locked into a pricing model that just wouldn't work. And uh, I've got a couple of the big box stores. They want our target, but they want me to cheapen it and uh, take the MSRP up close to 600 bucks on M1 and I, so they can get their margin. I said, guys, you'll never see my target. It's kind of the benefit of coming out later was um, doing consumer direct. And then also, um, yeah, if you buy, I try to run a special once a year with um, buy two hexes, get free shipping. And uh, I, I would say, Aaron, one of the things that I really underestimated the most of this our whole um, business model was that I underestimated uh, the challenge with shipping. I mean, shipping is just horrendous for us um, because of dimensional weight. And uh, so, I mean, I thought I kind of, we, my son, we kind of laughed. We, I'd never been so excited about having a custom box made for my target. No, no logo or anything. I was just a box that was the tightest I could fit our target in because I could get our dimensional weight down to, um, as, as close as I could to get a better deal with UPS. Oh yeah. Shipping is horrible. Um, <laughs> we deal with it and, and ours isn't that heavy, yeah. you know, with packs. Um, what, uh, you know, just looking at it, kind of breaking down numbers, I think your uh, the M2 is 240. Is that right? 239? Yeah. 239, 95 and um, 25 bucks shipping. And then M1's 345, 95 and, 31 and change on shipping and um and you know it's kind of funny i do flat rate shipping lower 48 um actually i charge 31.75 to ship m1 it cost me 40 to 65 dollars on the outside to ship lower 48 was just horrendous but um and then uh we've got a lot of customers in alaska and hawaii but i don't ship direct there i shipped either to when they visit lower 48, they fly it back as extra baggage, which works great. Or they have friends that are going to go visit them and, um, and I fly it or ship it to them. And then they fly it up as extra baggage. It works out wonderful. And it's kind of funny because the airlines hasn't figured out how to 
destroy my target yet. So we have a good laugh about that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, you know, breaking it down, if it's, you know, roughly 275 ship for the, uh, you know, the M2, um, you know, and you've got, I don't know, so that's 700 and I don't know, we'll round up a little. So, I mean, really you're significantly less than a, a dollar a day. Um, you know, if you get two years out of it before you have to replace anything for 275, um, yeah, that's pretty freaking good. Um, you know, that it's going to be a little bit more for the M1, but you know, the thing I look at is longevity, uh, being someone that it, it, earlier in my life, uh, would buy the 69 to a hundred and some dollar block target and it would last, I don't know, three months is about what I would get out of those before I was shooting, you know, mm -hmm. through them maybe. And, you know, you do the math by the time it's said and done, I've, I've bought three or four of those in the time that a target like yours would last. So in, you know, not having, not, not trying to do a sales pitch here, but making people think about it, the chances of if you're diligent about rotating the modules um, or you just shoot in the middle all the time and when you blow it out, you order a new module, different schools of thought, you know, that target's going to last a long, long, long time. So it's an investment, but, you know, it's an investment for many years, which is important. Um, and it doesn't litter the world. Um, that's one thing horrible about layering targets is they are just hell and Jesus on an archery range or outdoors because you're just yeah. pulling out sheets of shit everywhere. It's horrible. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty excited. Um, generally, I, you know, have been telling everybody as many people as I can. I was excited when I got it. Um, and you were cool enough to do some trading. Um, I was going to buy one and try to get the brother deal and you wanted a pack. So I'm like, well, I'll just trade. So, which we're always into trading, but, um, I'm actually going to buy a, an M2 just cause, um, I, yeah, I liked it well enough. And, and my compound buddies, um, they like it a hell of a lot more than even I do in the sense of pulling the arrows out. And usually what we'll mm -hmm. do, I've got a big, you know, four door Tundra and we'll load, uh, two, three, four targets in the back and we'll drive, you know, obviously probably where you're at too, you know, forest roads everywhere. And we'll just set them all over the place. One on a steep hillside, we'll put one target in like an Aspen Grove and just kind of walk in circles. And uh, it's easier than set up 3D targets. 3Ds are a pain in the ass because you got to put stakes in and everything else. Um, and, and, you know, that's super handy, uh, you know, for me with a little bit bigger target. And I, what does that thing weigh? Probably 35 pounds? The big one? No, the big one's 40, 45, and then the M2 is around 30. Gotcha. Well, I see. That's so pretty hefty. And that, and that was actually, you know, back to, you know, on how big do we make it. I, you know, part of the, I, I put in as a design requirement, it has to be portable. It has to be under 50 pounds, so it's at least somewhat portable. Um, and then, obviously, the smaller one M2 at 30 pounds is uh, a lot easier to move around. Yeah, you know, some people might think, I mean, keep in mind, I'm a function guy. It won't flip over, and that's a big, big deal to me. If you made it lighter and I was shooting, you know, a whopping, uh, you know, a 600-grain arrow at 280, I would wager to say a lighter target might flip, um, especially on, you know, uh, uneven terrain. I like the weight of it because it's beefy in, in as far as its stance. You know, you're not, it's not spinning left and right when you hit it. That's another pain in the butt with lighter targets. You hit the left side and then you're, now you're shooting arrows in half. Um, yeah. And so I like the fact it weighs a lot. 
and that was important on the design standpoint. I just, um, and it's kind of funny you mentioned about tipping it over. One of our good customers is uh, Brent Burns, who's the, um, he's uh, number 88 with San Jose Sharks. He's bought three targets from us. He has one in San Jose and two at his ranch in Texas. And after the season, I think they're playing game seven tonight. Um and uh, in their playoff series. But anyhow, he's promised to do a video trying to knock my target over with a slap shot. So I think that'd be pretty cool. I told him, I said, you know, I don't. I think you might move the target a little, but I don't think you're going to tip it over. But I said, you better suit up because to make sure whoever's around you is behind you because I have no idea where that puck's going to go when you hit it. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I will say the guy that I first met out at Bear Creek Lake that had one um, – I, I purposefully, because it is taller, uh, I was shooting, I think, 80, maybe 86 pounds um, with, uh, I think I was pushing like 565, 570. So a, a fairly, you know, beefy, high momentum setup. And I shot, I think he let me, sh- I, you know, I shot it like six times and I shot high and he was like, hey, you're shooting a little high. I didn't say anything. I was trying to flip it because um, that was the first thing on my mind was... <laughs> If this thing tips, you know, or rocks back and then rocks forward, you're going to break your arrows. And, uh, yeah, it didn't really, yeah. it didn't really move. Um, you know, that was four years ago, probably three years ago when I had done that. So that's <laughs> no, the first that's thing great, I looked though. at. You know, that's what, that's great. Cause you know, until I hear from customers and hear stuff back, cause I'll have guys, you know, say, well, how, how close should I test it? I said, or how close do you test it? And I said, guys, I'm shooting, I'm, when I'm testing modules, I'm shooting them from five to 10 feet away not 20 yards. I mean, I want to see what arrow removal is, you know, that arrow's coming right off the string. I want to see what it's like to pull it out. I want to see how far we're going into the material. And so, I mean, I'm doing point blank and quite honestly, there's a lot of guys that are, you know, and they're doing their winter shooting, they're um, in blank bail shooting inside. They're, they're doing that close shooting with our target and not worried about putting a hole in the wall. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and you're right because, uh, I shouldn't even say this out loud. I have a big deep freezer and I put your target on the top of it uh, when I shoot my garage and it's only a couple sheets of drywall into the garage of my neighbor, uh, which I probably shouldn't do or even talk about. So it is nice having that and not having to to worry. But uh, yeah, but so so before we shift on into to hunting, the one thing I do want to make clear is I, I highly suggest this target uh, to anyone. I can't say for the M2, I haven't used it. Obviously it's, you know, made of the same (laughs) material as the M1, but I I think if, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for a a lifelong target, uh, you're not going to find anything better. I've been super surprised and it takes a lot for me to, I hate to say it, it takes a lot for me to actually get excited about a product. And I have a, a podcast coming out, my, my top five surprising, uh, kind of like a you know uh, highlights of of new gear because mostly new gear is refurbished old gear that does the same shit but they just put a marketing spin on it. I I hate to say anymore, but that's true. Uh, your target was one of the five where I was truly like, yeah, this is pretty freaking smart design. There was a lot of thought process went into it, so I, I definitely suggest anyone to grab one. It's well worth the money. Well, that's cool, and thank you, Aaron. And then the other thing too, I tell guys. Um, if you have questions, my phone number is on everything, uh, Instagram, on the website, and you and you pick up a phone. You're not talking to some other employee. You're talking to me. So if you get questions on the design and functionality, if you just want to talk about 
hunting. I mean, uh, um, I'm the one you're going to talk to and uh, check us out at our Instagrams at Matrix Targets and, you know, follow us on there. And we share a lot of the customer um, photos and input from them as far as their experience shooting our targets. Gotcha. Well, let's shift on over to um, to hunting because in the, you know, interim where we were chatting back and forth about the target, um, you shot a shitload of sheep, it sounds like. They tell, let me t- enlighten everyone, including myself, on your, your hunting history because uh, I am not aware of it. Well, I, I didn't know. Yeah, you know, um, well, one on the bighorn sheep, I just uh, – I've been on over 50 bighorn hunts, mainly helping friends and family and did some guiding in Nevada. But, um, and I did finish, I finished my grand slam in 2007. I'm officially number 1400. Um, uh, I grew up, um, or from the Midwest and grew up, you know, doing the, the hunting rabbits and pheasant, uh, with, with shotgun and, um, moved out to Nevada, um, right after college and, uh, you know, Nevada's a pretty amazing state with um, opportunities for getting in the outdoors. I'd never heard of a chucker, um, which is a partridge, upland, great, great sport um, in Nevada. And um, and we raised German short ears, so really got into the chucker hunting. And then, um, you know, it's really difficult to get tags in Nevada just with the, the draw system, but we have a lot of bighorn sheep and, you know, as you start meeting guys and you get opportunities to go on and help on sheep hunts, man, you get the bug. And, um, and that's really got what got me hooked on the bighorn hunting. And, uh, um, I was president of Nevada bighorns back in 1995. Um, and I think back then there was roughly 5,500 sheep statewide between three, they've got three subspecies in Nevada desert California and Rocky well heck in the last uh, 20 plus years is populations have doubled it's an incredible success story and um, and that's where I really tell guys that you know listening that if you ever have in you know hunting bighorn sheep should be on your bucket list if you have any interest in it at all I mean you, but you can't draw unless you don't put your name in a hat and uh, there's op- non-resident opportunities in every state yes it's like hitting the lottery but Again, you can't you can't never have that opportunity unless you come up with a plan and at least have your name in a hat and a, little, a lot of strategies to talk about as far as um, you know license fees, the bonus points, but then there's also doing a blend with super tags um, and those raffle types. So I think Colorado, you guys got a raffle tag for Bighorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, while we're talking about Bighorn, I drew my goat tag this year for Colorado with a extremely oh, right. low percentage in it. I actually had booked a goat hunt in Alaska and uh, I had, you know, between August and December, like very limited open time. And I'm like, well, I got like three weeks here that's kind of open before to go to Alberta. I'll put in for it, uh, you know, third season and I'll be damn, I drew it. So now I have no free time. Wow. Um, so yeah, I might get it. I might double <laughs> so up that's on okay, though. Yeah, I might get divorced or fired, but what the hell, right? At least I'll uh, be poor and happy. Um, huh. Yeah, so I'm doing back to back. Funny, we're, it's kind of funny when guys ask or think about Nevada because you know everybody's been to Vegas once, um, and they, you know, as you fly into Vegas, your first thought for most, I think for most people is going, my God took the day off when He made this place. Look, it looks like the freaking moon. 
But what you don't know is that every one of those mountain ranges, as you're flying to Vegas, has got and thriving with desert bighorn. And it's just, ama- it's just an amazing uh, comeback and uh, story in, as far as uh, transplanting sheep and success story of reintroducing into areas where sheep were um, back before they were overhunted. And um, it's, it's, um, I, and it's kind of fun. I think there's more bighorn sheep in Nevada than any other state lower 48 by far. Um, which is kind of mind-boggling, really, when you think of Montana. If I were to say, hey, is there more sheep in Montana or Nevada, I'd think most guys pick Montana. I mean, Montana, we've got roughly 6,000 sheep in Montana, and there's over 12,000 in Nevada with three subspecies. That's just amazing. Oh, yeah. No, that definitely is. um, I mean, I only knew that because someone else told me like you just did, or I would have picked Montana as well. And, uh, yeah, I hate Vegas, but there's a lot of remote areas uh in that state that a lot of people don't think about um you know i i don't put in for down there which i probably should but uh yeah it, it is a pretty amazing area where are you where are you at right now 50 miles north of billings in the bull mountains so i'm uh my mailing address is roundup montana but i'm 25 miles south of there we're tucked on the back side of the bull mountains about 10 miles off the pavement and uh um we've got Oh, 33 acres here, but we back up two really big ranches, a 20,000-acre ranch off to my west and then a 14,000-acre to the north. So really secluded and and ranches that also kind of manage for wildlife. So granted, we're a little postage stamp, you know, 33 acres, but we've got a lot of turkeys come through, a lot of deer. And occasionally the other morning we had uh, three bull elk come through, which is pretty exciting. And... Um, uh, Amy was on her way to work last Thursday. My wife and she's saw a mountain lion, which how unusual is that? And that was within quarter mile of house. Pretty cool. Oh yeah, that definitely, definitely cool. How much hunting are you getting in nowadays? More or less now that you've got well, Matrix going? Um, I'd say actually because living in Montana and you get to go, I've got more opportunities. Um, but I've uh, I, what I try to do is take as much of September off as I can and. and Coincidentally, with the, the target business, it seems that by the time we get to September, things taper off a little bit because guys are also getting out in the field. So it's actually not a bad time to take off. We're, we like to hunt. Cell coverage is kind of spotty, but I take my computer, and then I can, um, I can drive an hour and go have a cheeseburger somewhere and then sit down and you know take a look at orders and do some business stuff and then get back out in the hills, which is, uh, um, works, works pretty good. This year's kind of fun. My son turns turned 30 this year, and I'm turning 60 in October, so it's the 30-60 archery elk hunt. He's coming up from, um, like I said, he's down in L.A. He's a civil engineer down there, avid archer and bow hunter, and I'm um, really looking forward to um, this fall and having him up here for hunting with us. Gotcha. Well, what, um, you know, over, I guess, you know, not to ask the blank question of what's your favorite, but what's out of all the different hunts you've done, especially sheep, which one uh, kind of sticks out in your mind the most? Um, is it in particular hunter? Yeah. I mean, whatever, right. Um, really what, what, you know, it, you know um, I, um, it's a great question. A couple of different answers, but, um, I'd say when my, my daughter drew desert bighorn when she was 14, um, you couldn't have a more exciting hunt and be part of that. And it's a, 
uh, she worked so hard. She pulled a really nice ram and did all the uh, and everything that we did in preparation, which is so important to us. And um, and it was kind of was really cool about that. Aaron was, you know, and wanted to draw the tag and respect the tag. I mean, she's so excited. Um, and then I was going down on weekends and taking video of, of rams and finding sheep. And then, uh, and it was quite a drive down, oh, near area 51, east of Tonopah. But, um, and, and then while I was doing that, Amy, my wife Amy was with, out in the hills with Lindsay and they're shooting a 270 and practicing every position and, um, on a tripod, on a backpack, on your, you know, shooting off your knee, laying down and, um, and then probably the most fun deal we did on that preparation was um, I'd come home with video, put it on the screen, and I'd have that 270 empty, but I'd have her behind the couch. And because the toughest thing on sheep hunt is, you know, it's just not like there's one ram. There's usually several rams. They're monkey balled together. They're moving. you got to make sure they're clear behind. So what I'd do is I'd put that video on the TV, and I'd have her looking through the, the scope, and then I'd say, we, we talk, and this would be no different if, well, you'd be out there with your stick bow. <laughs> For anybody else with a gun, I'd be on a spotting scope and telling you the same thing I'm telling her. I'd say, okay, the big, the big ram, second one from the right, do you see him? Yeah, what is he doing now? He just put his head down. I said, okay, that's him. He's got a, he's got a ram behind him. You're going to have to wait a little bit. So there's this talk and communication process, and then, of course, I'm controlling the, the remote on the video, and then all of a sudden, as things clear a little bit, okay, you can take them, and she'd click and be done. She was shaking. It was pretty pretty amazing. Fun to watch. I mean, just to see the excitement. And uh, and, and then to get out in the field, um, you know, I had my son was there. I had 11, 12, and 14-year-olds on the mountain with me. My Believe it or not, my brother-in-law drew the same tag. So we had two of the five tags. So I'm up on the mountain with three kids, and we just had just um, – one of those amazing hunts. I mean, that's probably one of the, the top hunts that I've done and helped on. Gotcha. No, that's cool. And uh, so how did the hunt go overall? Um, like, uh, she ended up killing the, that hunt, believe it or not. Well, it's kind of funny because the, you know, kids are, kids don't know that other hunters are trying to run in front of you. And we had a situation where I had four guys kind of doing the foot race in front of us. And, you know, the kids innocently say, Hey, Dad, look, other hunters. And inside, I'm going, can't say what I was, um, what I was thinking, really. And I'm going, they're, they're getting in front of us. Well, they blew the sheep out that we were after. And um, kind of the, the good karma for us was Lindsay up killing the biggest ram out of that unit that year. And uh, she, uh, she's like her mother. I mean, she's a shooter. I mean, it was just the two of us. We, when we got up in the mountain, we had a small band of rams. There was skis and lambs around, and then I was talking to her. She were kind of like on the outside edge of her her zone. I mean, she was good to, out to about 300. And this, I want to say this ram was about 260-some yards and had her set up on the tripod um, on her knees. And then we're doing the talking, and you see which one thing. And then um, I zoomed in the scope. I said, you see him? She says, oh, yeah. And then she said, can I shoot? And I, I barely got any time out of my mouth, boom, tips them over. <laughs> You're just like your mother. I thought, you know, there might be a couple minutes go by and I might have to tell her not to shoot. It was, she was ready to roll. So pretty, pretty cool. 
Oh, that is that is cool. Um, how old are your kids now? Uh, Lindsay's uh, oldest, thirty-two, and um, she's a medic and firefighter up here in Montana. Uh, also, mother of my two two of my granddaughters, and then uh, my son's thir- just turned thirty. He's I mentioned he's an engineer down in L.A., and then I've got a daughter, Annie, and I'm going to get in ter- trouble on age here. 26 and then katie's youngest just going to police academy down in uh uh in wyoming and just started that and she's i think 23 so we got three grandkids and uh you know kids are grown and gone and um and i've been uh just working on the target thing amy's a librarian at a local high school she's got a little bit of a poke as far as a commute it's 45 minutes when roads are good and each way, but it's not a pressure cooker commute. I mean, you should get to see wildlife um, um, both ways, which is kind of kind of a nice way to start and end the day. Oh yeah, yeah, I I bet. Um, well, you got what as far as um, you know, Matrix targets goes. What do you got as far as anything in store in the future you can talk about, or just kind of? I would imagine it's been hard to keep the train on the tracks with the growth you've uh received have have you had any actually uh uh you know growing pains um along the way or has it been relatively smooth no we've had some growing pains but it's all been good it's been more not so much the uh from the marketing side it's been the trying to keep up on the production side i mean i i would love to be able to be molding my targets in montana but i've got a um i don't really have anybody that deals with my chemicals out here and i've got my I outsource my manufacturing, so I've got a molder in Wisconsin, nothing to do with Locker Reinhardt, also in Wisconsin, just coincidence my molder is there. And actually, it's a pretty good thing because it's more centralized for as far as shipping, finished product. Um, you know, we pretty much are, um, I tell people, I said we're like Henry Ford. You can get any color you want as long as it's black. I mean, M1, I thought, would just be my only target, and that would be able to cover everybody if they want a single hex for your throw in your truck or you make a, a three hex or four hex version within the same model but um you know after hearing the input from customers they really wanted that small square smaller square design and um and it's been it's been really good for us and i think you know you got to listen to your customers i it's a uh um i've got a lot of guys asking us to get into the 3d market and i said guys it is 3d it just happens to be in the shape of a hexagon and a square. I said, having an inventory of zoo animals scares the hell out of me. And I said, as far as I know, you'll never see me get after this. There's too many other companies that do a great job with 3D. I'm not, not ever going to get into that. Yeah, well, you've got a good niche and you make a good product and it's hard to, you know, you don't want to screw with that too, too much. Um, not only that, the nightmare of doing it. And, and I try to explain to people about this with you know, Kafari, we're a small family owned business. And, uh, you know, there's other companies that want to take over the world. And then there's other companies much like ours. I still want to hunt a lot. And uh, taking over the world requires a lot of time. And that's time I don't get to spend. Like, I didn't get into the outdoor industry to be quote unquote, in the industry. 
getting into the industry was a byproduct of me wanting to live in the woods all the time. And so when that goes away, I really don't want to do this job anymore. And I would imagine you're the same thing. If the stress, stress level reaches so high, it's not worth doing, then, then why are you even doing it? Yeah. And I think 3D targets yeah. might push you over the edge personally. <laughs> that sounds like a pain no, in the I, butt. I, I, yeah. well, I'm t- oh, you don't think I got sleepless nights now. If I walked in a warehouse with a bunch of the animals looking at me that are sitting there collecting dust and not selling, oh, my God, I, I'd lose it. So, But I, I look at Mage's targets as I think feel like we've been a – kind of like a skunk works project for a bigger player, you know, um, here we've got this nice, cool, shiny new toy, very little debt. We've got a great product, great brand, you know, quite honestly, we're going to continue to be the little lemonade stand on the corner on the internet is being a mom and pop shop with just me and Amy doing it. Um, but I think the cool thing, because obviously my motivation would be a lot different if I was your age or, uh, my kid's age saying, um, you know, I'm going to be 60, you know, maybe I've got this thing right now to where it would be perfect for the right person, right company to just hand it to them. And they, they've got the bandwidth, they've got the distribution network. And I think one of the biggest benefits of taking a look at doing something with us is the fact that I don't have any employees. You just have to deal with me. There's no, you don't, not worried about having some screwed up employee culture. You're not going to have to move employees somewhere to, to set up manufacturings. You could either outsource what I do, or you need a small footprint to have somebody do it themselves. So, um, you know, we're just going to keep rolling and um, doing what we're doing. And then, you know, I've got a couple of tire kickers out there that um, looking at us, but ones uh, between us that I just don't think are a good fit. So, you know, when it, the right thing comes along, you know, we'll probably do that. But um, it's very important to me that we maintain um, that product's going to maintain the quality that it is today and uh, and also the level of customer service And um, because it's, um, um, you know, we're really growing fast and doing quite well um, and just looking forward to the next couple of years. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, yeah I'm excited for you. I, I kind of wish I would have got the target you know, earlier, but uh, I'm glad I got it now. And I, you know, I appreciate, um, quality companies, I guess, or quality gear. Um, I mean, and honestly, I would have bought it whether, you know, we've swapped or not or whatever else. Um, it's hard to find products that don't suck anymore. I mean, you not, I'd say it's, it's hard to find, it's hard to believe when people talk about products that they're that good and seeing it and actually it delivering more than what I thought it would was a pleasant surprise. Um, so I was super excited. We, you know, it took us, it's still taking a while to teach the consumer. Um, and, and you can understand that. I mean, I think what we've been led to believe by the target industry is that um, it's okay to pay $150 for a target and accept mediocre performance. And then what do we do? We go back. In fact, we, we read the label. It says it's going to take thousands and thousands of shots. Two weeks, you've already blown through the center. And we go back to that same store, and we're sitting, standing in the aisle of targets. And what do you do? You buy the same thing. That's, that was exactly what we were doing. Amy and I were going through two $300 of targets a summer. And I go, God, there's got to be a better way. And what we did was just come up with that solution of shooting out the center of your target. And I think what you've seen is it's not only um, – the target performs well, it's fun to shoot. 
you can always shoot the, they're always going to shoot better if you can aim at the center of mass, especially if you want to do some long range, throw some long range bombs. And like you mentioned, if you're shooting a little longer with the trad stick, you, I mean, you want a bigger target that you can aim at and, and not worry about blowing up an arrow. Yeah, I I definitely do. Like when we go out to to Bear Creek Lake, I usually have yours at 40 and 50. And it's nice because I use my point on um, for my farther distances. And so that target's big enough, you know, I can aim off and aim at the top. Uh, still drop into it at, let's say, 50, 40. I'm aiming right at it, um, which is handy, especially with broadheads or tuning. Anytime you start screwing around where... You know, you may not be firing the perfect arrow. It's nice to know you're actually going to still hit the target, um, which is good. And surprisingly enough, um, you know, that target, um, I say surprisingly, I, I am amazed at how many people still don't know about Matrix. Um, you know, you bring it out to a, an archery range and, and it uh, it definitely catches people's eyes. Um, it's probably good. You might be really pulling your hound if everyone did know, because you probably wouldn't really be able to keep up. Because you still have lead times on your targets, <laughs> which is a good problem to have. Yeah, actually, timing right now is good. If guys are wondering today, I'm out about a week, and but I mean, it'll be it'll be three to four weeks soon. Um, and and that's you know that's that's I guess one of those it gets frustrating for me because that creates you know the situation with trying to do order fulfillment and stuff on the website when you can only um, have the authorization for a credit card transaction for 30 days. So we're, our motivation is we want to ship within 30 days or, you know, I'd love to ship as soon as we can, but um, and like we talked, it's the supply and demand and it's been a, uh, it's a good problem to have. I've got, uh, um, um, and now with adding another model into it, complicates it a little bit but uh it's it's uh, it's going good now oh, that's good that's good i'm happy for you and uh yeah i can't i can't thank you enough for um wanting to swap you know it's always easier for me to give you a, a pack than money obviously <laughs> um but i i appreciate uh you getting me the target and coming on the podcast man and and i definitely encourage everybody to take a look at what you offer it's a pretty unbelievable system yeah well thanks a lot for having me Aaron, and i've got you know, that, um, back to the sheep hunting thing, too, we could talk for a long time as far as some strategy and where you should apply and other options. So, I mean, maybe do one in the future and spend a little more time on some of that stuff. I think the guys would – I think there's a lot of guys in the Midwest and East that listen to you that are a little intimidated by hearing bighorn sheep and how to even get involved. So, you know, there's some things like getting involved with the Wild Sheep Foundation and, you know, learning some things about wild sheep conservation, meeting some great people. And then also having opportunities to to uh, draw a tag of a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think with that, no matter what, people are. It's hard to you know talk to people and not be um, you know too intimidated. But um, it's man, you only live once. You got to give it a whirl. You got to play to win. So yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well cool man well i should probably get back to work here i appreciate you hopping on like i said and i definitely everybody take a look at uh, at matrix targets and and actually give out the website and where they can find you yeah uh websites www.matrixtargets with an s on it.com and then uh instagram's the same at matrix targets and uh like i mentioned it earlier you guys ever want to call just give me my numbers everywhere give me a call you can fire me a message through instagram or my email's on the website, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. 
Gotcha. Cool, man. Well, take it easy. Thanks again, and uh, we'll have to get you back on soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Aaron. Have a great day. Yep, you too. Bye-bye.